Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. Well, I'm Melissa Blackwood, by the way, and it is lovely to um, meet you in this way. I am uh, one of the youth pastors here at City Life. I also am a part of team in other ways, and so it is my great delight to talk about Jesus because I love him. He's changed my life, and I'm so excited to talk about him. And I'm going to start off just by getting into the word. Romans 12, here we go. You guys ready for this? Okay, great. Here we go. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and your proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Okay. But rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we Though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. I'll say what? We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Okay, that is the word of the Lord right there. Wow. Okay, what does it mean? Here's my question. What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean, right? I'm sure you've been asked this, or you have asked it. What does the life of a Christian look like? Does it mean, you know, praying before a meal? That's a Christian, yep. Oh, yeah, they prayed before their meal. Is it, you know, uh, going to church on a Sunday? For sure, they're religious. They go to church on Sunday, oh, yeah. Okay, oh, 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 oh. A Christian for sure has a cross tattoo or a Bible verse on them, right? (laughs) That's a Christian right there. You know it. I mean, when I was a teenager, so I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but I thought Christians wore long dresses and long hair and no makeup and didn't party. That's, I was like, that's kind of lame, you know? It's funny. Where do we get these ideas, right? And so Romans 12, 1 to 8, this is a portion of a letter that Paul wrote to the new Christians, to the early church in Rome. And he is explaining exactly that, how we should be living as Christians. And that's what I want to talk about today, okay? Okay. Okay, and do you, I, I think what's, we need to know that this is important. Like how we live as Christians is really, 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 
really, really important. That was, that got one of those, okay? It's really important. Because if you call yourself a Christian, you are representing Jesus Christ to the whole world around you. You are a spokesperson for the one and the only God Almighty. You are his image bearer to your neighbors. And for the rest of us Christians, please care, right? Because I, I hope that, you know, there, we know there are Christians out there. And I have been one of those Christians who has made a bad name for other Christians, right? How we live as a Christian really matters. And... Um, in this book called The Common Rule, we went over this um, during the COVID season, and the author Justin Whitmill Early, he says this, only in retrospect did I realize that while the house of my life was decorated with Christian content, the architecture of my habits was just like everyone else's, and that life had been working for me until it collapsed. And I wonder, you know, myself included, how many of us have our lives decorated? We've got the decorations of being a Christian, but our thoughts, the way we live from Monday to Saturday, it's like everybody else. And so today my message is for two groups of people, my brothers and my sisters. Those of you who consider yourselves Christians, this messages for you, and I hope that um, you are able to be encouraged and reminded of the life that God has called you to. This message is also for people who don't believe. So, all people, okay. <laughs> and, and you know what you get to do with this message? You can hold it over your Christian friends' heads and be like, hey. <laughs> I'm kidding, don't do that. That'll just make us mad and worse. But this is a great time for you to reflect on what you are living for. Because we all live for something. We all serve something and so I hope that you can see how there's freedom in the Christian life. And so how should we be living as Christians? There's three points. As a living sacrifice. Say it with me. As a living sacrifice. As a, sacrifice. As a body part. As a body part. In, response to his mercy. in response to his mercy. Okay. As a living sacrifice. Ooh, she's getting creepy. Okay. So. He starts off, Paul says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship to him. So Paul is talking to brothers and sisters. He's talking to the church. He's talking to Christians. And he is urging us. Urging us. When was the last time you've urged somebody? I urge all the time because I have children. You know, I'm like, I urge you to pee on the toilet. I urge you to go to bed, you know. Right? It's very real. Sometimes it just comes out, you know. You know what's really in your heart when you're like, go to bed. Anyways, Paul is urging us. He is urging us to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. He's urging us. He's not being like, maybe, kinda, urging. And he uses the word bodies. He uses the word bodies instead of just your mind or your spirit because your body cannot do anything without your mind telling it to do something. So that means he wants all of this. All of you. He wants all of you. Tim Keller says, it's not enough to just have a Christian belief. 
Your body is how you act out what is in your soul and spirit. So he wants all of you, who you are in the workplace, who you are in the home, who you are in church, who you are in your car. I added that. Tim didn't say that. And so this verse is saying, offer Give yourself, volunteer yourself, your day-to-day living and breathing and thinking as a living sacrifice. Okay, this is weird. Sacrifices, right? That's weird. You're acting like it's not. What do you do on the weekend? (laughs) You know, sacrifices. They're weird, okay? We don't fully understand them. But the audience at that time, the Jewish people and the Greek people that Paul was speaking to, very familiar with sacrifices. And the biblical reasoning for sacrifices was not to appease an angry God. That was not the reason. A sacrifice was a way for God's people to understand the gravity of their sin and that there must be payment for sin. We understand payment for sin, right? We understand this concept because when an injustice is done to you, what do you want? Payment, or you wanna see justice, right? There needs to be some sort of payment or consequence to wrongful action. You know, whether it's jail time, whether it's a fine or an apology, or even a good old time out. But we need to understand, we do understand this, right? The consequence for wrongful actions, there needs to be payment. And God is telling us that the consequence of sin is death. He's saying it's a serious thing, you guys. I'm going to get a little gory. But like, imagine watching the blood pour out of an animal. Right, the life leaving an animal, that would have shown the Jewish people the seriousness, the gravity of their sin. And at the same time, it would have shown them the love and the provision of God who didn't want to kill them. God didn't want to kill them. And so he provided a substitutionary sacrifice to pay for their sin. And the problem with animal sacrifices, is it doesn't deal with a sin issue, right? Sister Melissa can do an animal sacrifice and go on yonder and go and steal something from the drugstore. You know, like, the problem is, that was weird. That, was, that just came to me, and uh, I don't know, I don't steal from the drugstore. Um, <laughs> and who calls it a drugstore? So, the problem with the animal sacrifices is you gotta keep sacrificing because you keep on sinning. And that is why Jesus Christ came and he became the final death sacrifice. He came to atone for all of our sin. It was through him laying down his life, letting his blood pour out so we could be free from the debt that we owed. So Jesus was the final death sacrifice so we can live. But the thing that Paul is talking about, that living sacrifice, is the sin nature that keeps on creeping up, right? Somebody once said, uh, the problem with a living sacrifice is it keeps on crawling off the altar. <laughs> right? You've got to grab it and steal it. I don't know. Got to kill it. 
before you run out of the service, because you're like, y'all are weird. I want you to not write off Christianity. And I want to remind you, we are all sacrificing for something. No one is truly free. Everybody lives for something or lives for someone, whether it is your career, whether it is a person, whether it is your independence or your experiences in life. We all sacrifice for something. We all have a master. And the question is, what has your master done for you? Has your master died on your behalf? Mine has, and that's why I serve him with all my heart. But a living sacrifice, so it means something has to be put to death. So what has to be put to death? You have to put to death the idea that you have a right to life as you choose. Yeah, okay, these are... I don't want to say it, but I got to say it. You have to put to death the idea that you belong to yourself. You have to put to death that you think you know what is best for your life. you got to kill it. It's saying, I don't choose anymore. Instead, I become completely dependent on you, God, and your word. That feels like death. It does. It sucks. It's hard. But on the other side of that living sacrifice, there is freedom for us. And there is life. In Matthew 16, so Jesus is saying this to his disciples. Whoever of you wants to be my disciple, you must deny yourself. That's the same thing as a living sacrifice. You deny yourself. And you take up your cross and you follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for me will find it. It's, an, it's a backwards thinking, right? We think if I hold on to it and God, you can't have it, then I'm going to save my life. But he's actually saying, you're going to lose your life. That master that you serve, he will never, never give up on you. He will always just bring you down. It'll never be enough. And there's this interesting story um, that John Gerstner, he tells a story about a young American girl in the 1930s. And this, this young woman, she, she hears about Jesus and she responds to him. She becomes a Christian and she decides, as this 15 or 16-year-old girl, she decides, I'm going to become a, a missionary in Asia. And so, and she sticks to this idea. And once she graduates, she continues on and she goes to the agencies and she says, okay, this is what I want to do. Um, you know, I want to be a lifetime missionary in Asia. And they said, okay, okay, you know, you do need some training and you need to be married. So, you know, in the 1930s, they didn't just send a young woman to Asia where it was dangerous at that time, a single young woman. So they're like, you need to be married. Okay, so she goes home and she says, Lord, I give you my life. I hand over everything. I will do all of this work for you. There's only one thing I need from you. It's a husband easy. And so, you know, she does what every young woman and man that are single do. They go to Bible college and, you know, for training, but also probably for a husband. Um, And at, at the end of each year, no boyfriend, no husband, no prospects. And on the, the night of her graduation, she sits in her dorm room, an angry young woman, And she says, God, I have committed my life to you, and you did not come through with a husband. And she realized something. She wasn't miserable because she had taken her hands off of her life. She was miserable because she never had. 
She was telling God how she should live a heroic life. She was telling God, here's what you have to do for me. But she realized she's using God. She was using him. She wasn't serving him. She was telling him how he should serve her. And so that night, that night for the first time, she took her hands off of her life. She said, God, your will be done and not mine. And so how do we live a Christian life? You take your hands off your life and you trust it to God. And I mean, he loves you more than you can imagine. That is what the cross shows us. That's why he came, he, to show us how much he loves us. And he is wiser beyond our understanding. So we must offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. And this is a reasonable way to worship him. Second point, as a body part. Everybody say body part. In your lowest range, body part. <sighs> that feels good for some reason. For each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. So how do I live as a Christian? As a body part, what part of the body are you? <laughs> okay, April, I hear you, girl. You're the, you're the vocal cords. Oh, okay. Yep. So, I like that song. What part of the body are you? I think a great picture to help us understand, because we belong to each other. That is what he's saying. We belong to each other. Lucky you, you belong to me. Huh? If I ever offend you with accents, I just do them when I feel nervous. Uh, okay, so. <laughs> okay, I gotta stop. <laughs> we belong to each other. And I think the picture of marriage really helps me understand this example of belonging to each other. Because when you get married, the two become one, right? Two separate lives coming together, making one life. One life. Your choices, what you do, what you don't do, affects the other. When I am embarrassing, it also embarrasses my husband. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Mark. When I spend money, it also affects Mark's money. We really had to talk about that, you know? It, we affect each other. And Paul says that we, the church, we belong to each other. What we do affects the other. You are not your own. You are not your own. You are not your own. That is crazy. This is all so countercultural. People just, oh, this is like, what is, are we in North America right now? This doesn't belong. Just as our body has unique parts and we play a vital role. Sorry. What did I say? Mm -hmm. Okay. Doesn't matter. You have a special gift. You have a special function that each other, we don't have it. You've been given that. And it's for the benefit of everybody. Here's a lie we may believe. And I don't know where this started, but we, we believe, well, the pastors and the leaders, they should give us everything we want and we need in church. 
The church, is something's wrong with the church? The pastors and the leaders. Well, that's not biblical. It's not. You are the church. Come on, like, our pastors and leaders are doing their best with the gifts God's given them, but God didn't give them all the gifts. I love you guys. You are very gifted. (laughs) But they cannot function as each part. What you see missing is probably your part that you are meant to play. You're frustrated about something? Well, do something. You have been given a gift for the benefit of the whole body. And our vision for the church is that each member is a healthy, functioning part. That you're using your God-given gift for the benefit of each other. I mean, sometimes I'm like, Lord, what have you given me? I'm like, I'm weird, and I do weird things, so I'll use that to make people laugh. I don't know. It seems so simple, but it's like, sometimes we need to laugh, right? If you're good with finances, you know, sometimes with our gifts, we think, oh, oh, it's just, I'm just good at organizing, just get it like finances and budgets that is a gift (laughs) come to my house look at my budget (laughs) if you love holding babies that is a gift I want to give my babies to you (laughs) I do Bless your soul. You are a part of the body. And, and in the rest of Romans 12, I want to encourage you, in this week, read Romans 12. Read Romans 12. Because it's actually, God is teaching us, okay, so, yeah, he's, he's telling us how we live as, as Christians, and, he, and we're a part of the body, and we belong to each other. And then the rest of Romans 12, teach us how to live in community. So read Romans 12. It is powerful how to love each other, how to treat each other when we're annoyed with each other, when we're mad. A question I have, you know, is I would not want to stand before God at the end of my life and him say, Melissa, what have you done with the gifts I've given you? And me say, I was was offended. I was too busy. I don't know what my gifts are. You know, we don't want to stand before God like that. Let's stand before God and be like, God, this is what you gave me, a weird personality. I did what I could. You know, like, man, that is not what I want when I'm standing before my God. So we live as a Christian as a healthy, functioning body part. And finally, how we live as a Christian is in response to his mercies. And so... Paul, he starts off Romans 12 by saying, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Very important is the first word he uses is therefore. Because he's saying, if you believe and understand everything that I wrote in Romans 1 to 11... That, which is ultimately Romans 1 to 11 is about the gospel and about sin and about salvation and Christ and our hope and the spirit. Like, that's what Romans 1 to 11 is. It's the gospel. And he's saying, if you understand that and if you believe that, then offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. It's a response. Please do not, well, like, be a good person. Yes, like, yes. But don't do this without knowing his mercy without knowing Romans 1 to 11. Because then, honestly, we'll be acting just like every other religion or every other person. Where the belief is, if I'm a good person, 
then God will accept me. If I just, I can earn my salvation and then I'm good, right? If I'm good, I'll earn my salvation. That's what other religions and what most of the world believes. If I'll just be a good person, that is not Christianity. Christianity is far from it. It's saying, you can never earn your salvation. You will never be good enough. But God is, and he came for you. He came for us because he knew we couldn't. And he came for us to earn our salvation for us. He earned our righteousness for us. It's all on him, nothing on me. And that's why we can't boast in ourselves. That's why Paul says, don't think of yourself higher than you ought. Because as Christians, we have done nothing to earn what we have or who we are. It's his mercy, you guys. It's God's pity on us. It's God's compassion he has for us. It's God's kindness that he has shown to us, which is amazing because I'm a jerk. <laughs> we are jerks. I'm sorry. You're a jerk. <laughs> we don't think we need God. We don't. We're like, I got this. We don't think we need God. We think we are fine without him. We, we question him. We think he's outdated. We think he's unfair. He's not real. We turn our backs on him and all that he has done for us. And despite all that, he shows us mercy. Mercy. It's pouring out of him. Mercy. Mercy. <laughs> now I understand why they say it like that, right? Mm, mercy, mercy. <laughs> when we know the mercy that God has for us, when you know and understand that, it makes you want to live your life as a living sacrifice. It makes you want to. You're like, man, I, God, I don't deserve anything. And you love me. That's amazing. I mean, I just think of like when I'm a real wiener and... And Mark, you know, ignores that side of me, and he serves me, you know, where he's just, like, loves on me. And he just, like, does something that I, you know, cleans the kitchen, because I really love that. <laughs> I do. And then when he shows that to me, and I was just being a real jerk, I'm like, that melts my heart, right? You're like, man. And that's how I hope you view Jesus. But you're like, man, I am a, I'm a real wiener. And so why did Jesus offer himself? Why did Jesus offer himself? Why did he take his hands off of his life? Out of love for you. He took his hands off of his life and he became a dying sacrifice. So that when you take your hands off of your life, you can become a living sacrifice. So how do we live a Christian life? It's in view of God's mercy. When we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice and we become a part of his body. Let's stand up. We're going to pray. Jesus, oh, we're so thankful, Lord. God, we, man, God, we're just nothing. We are, God, we're just, we're confused worms. We're just aimlessly wandering, and, and Lord, we just, God, we really help us understand your mercy. God, would you open eyes right now to your mercy, to your love for them? 
God, would our hearts be melted? God, would we not do things just to earn your, your acceptance? Would we not just do things to earn our salvation? But God, would we just come before you? God, would we take our hands off of our lives today? God, show us. Even right now, Father, I ask that you would show us how to take our hand off of our life. God, would you show us where we have just been following a different master. Whether it's ourselves, whether it's a career or a, a status or just finances that we've been chasing, whether it's been a person and their affection and their love, whether it's our kids, Lord. Lord, would we take our hands off of our lives, God, we, and we just say right now, Father, we trust you. And thank you, God, that you do not come at us and point fingers. Thank you, Lord, that you do not come and shame us and say, shame on you for doing this and not taking your hand off your life. No, Lord, you come with mercy, with compassion and kindness. Thank you, God. Help us to take our hands off of our lives. And God, help us to trust you. Help us to trust you, Jesus. Help us to follow you. I'd love for you to even just kind of as if, reach your hands out as if you're taking a gift. And God, we say, this is my life and I trust it to you. Would you continue to show me your mercies? Transform my life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.